0: Friends, I want to say to you this morning, you sounded real good as you were singing. There is something real special when you're like the Mississippi Mass Choir, you know? Um, It makes me real, real happy. Um, When I um, hear beautiful singing, I oftentimes think about my grandmother, my Grandma Rose, who is my uh, paternal grandmother, and also my my mom. Um, My mom doesn't, she's not on Facebook. That is probably for the safety of the world. so she does not watch me on Sunday mornings. But both my grandmother and my mother are very, how can I say this, robust singers. Um, And when I was younger, um, I always would sit beside my mother during worship and I would interlock my arm with hers. And my mother, when she sings, she, she is singing to the third heavens open up. And there'll be times when I'd be like, Mama, 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 shh, shh. And she'd be like, Don't you shush me. Like, you know, did you put food on my table and clothes on my back? I'm like, Oh, that's right, Mama. Okay, oh, Lord. You're right. She was, yeah, she would throw a little bit of theological shade. Anyway, um, uh, so this morning you bear witness to Rose Yeboah my grandmother, who um, I do know that in the heavenly realm she is wearing um, a white dress and a white handkerchief like, uh, like she did in the streets of Accra, Ghana, waving her handkerchief and praising God, and my mother, wherever she is today, sitting beside someone at church singing very loudly, um, on key. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Mother's Day is an interesting, it's an interesting day. And I have to admit that as a pastor, it is not my favorite Sunday because of all the complexities that are on a Sunday such as this one. And yet, what I'm also learning, The older I get and the longer that I'm in ministry is that God will meet you exactly where God needs to meet you. And for whatever situation or circumstance I may not be able to fill out in a sermon or fill out behind the table or fill out in the grounding or fill out in a prayer, God will whisper in your ear exactly what you need to hear. I'm going to trust that this day. So, friends, we um, are continuing to move through the Easter season, this 50-day season that started on Easter Sunday, and that will end on May 28th on a day um, known in the life of the church as Pentecost. Um, Next Sunday, my dear uh, colleague, Reverend Seyun will be preaching on Ascension Sunday, which will uh, let you know that we're getting a little bit closer to the close of this beautiful season. And typically during the season of Easter— The passages of Scripture that we will preach on or read about in the Gospels either reflect the post-resurrection narratives of Jesus, or they will hint to some of the core moments of Jesus' ministry or the core things that we need to know about Jesus' ministry. So over the course of the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Jesus who comes as peace, not flimsy peace, but peace that has wounds and hands inside, but also tells us of another reality, not a reality shaped by violence, but a reality shaped by peace that overcomes the violence of the world. We encounter a Jesus who says, I don't come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly, that what Jesus invites us into is counter to anything that might threaten our lives with death. We have encountered the core of Jesus' ministry to make space at tables and to go and prepare a place for us that we don't have to rent a room, but that we have a beautiful room in grand mansions. And this morning, we will encounter Jesus who speaks to us like a guardian. Jesus who talks to us like a protector not just as a healer, not just as a friend, but almost like a parent. Now, two quick things before I read the scripture of um, this morning. One is that this text uses father, uh, which might seem a little odd that we would choose a passage of scripture that uses father on what is Mother's Day. But I want you to know that Mother's Day wasn't necessarily like woven into the Christian calendar. Um, (laughs) Hallmark was not around in Galilee. (laughs) <laughs> but, what, but the reason why I want to note that is that in the Gospels um, and in the Old Testament, especially Isaiah, there is lots of um, imagery of like maternal or motherly traits of God. God is sometimes even talked about as a mother caring or, or protecting um, her children Theologian um, Lynn Japinga wrote, language about God should help us to understand and encounter God, but we should not confuse the reality of God with the limits of our language. So I can talk about, yeah, the motherly aspects of who, of who God is. Like God gathers up chicks under her wings and protects us. And it's not to say, okay, um, human mothers or human fathers, and that's how we comport, uh, we comport God, but that God is more expansive in the ways in which we understand maybe even how we show up in, uh, in the world. I also think it's important to understand that Scripture was um, very much written within a patriarchal context, and so the leaning toward ways of talking about God that might not be as expansive as um, some of us need the language to be. The second thing I want to say about this particular passage of Scripture, because this is really important, because I know how a church space can sometimes do harm is that um, there are lots of if you love me statements um, in John chapter 14, which I'm about to read. But I want you to know that the if you love me statements are not meant to be conditional. Like, you know, even though it'll say, if you love me, my father will love you. If you love me, you know, um, and you keep my commandments. Because in verse 24, which I will not read, um, it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. It does not say, God, our parent will not love you back just simply says those who don't love God um, will not keep God's word, will not reflect God's love potentially in the the world. Um, But that does not mean that God withholds God's love from those who do not love. So when you hear those if statements, they're not conditional for those who do not love God. Hear now these words from John chapter 14, beginning with the 15th verse and ending with the 21st verse. And Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. One thing about Jesus is that Jesus was very clear with his disciples about their relational capital. Uh, Jesus was not um, ever confusing about what their relationship was like or, or the dynamics between Jesus and the disciples. And um, here in, Jesus's, um, uh, thir- in this 14th chapter of, of the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks to the disciples in this really beautiful way as he is preparing to be crucified. Now, John chapter 14 falls within um, a larger kind of like arc of scriptures in John's gospel called the Farewell Discourse. The farewell discourse begins around John chapter 13, and they end around John um, chapter uh, 17. And in the farewell discourse, Jesus knows that he is, um, he is leading or moving towards his impending death. And so in these chapters, Jesus has his last acts and last words that he speaks to his disciples, and probably more so than any other portion of John's Gospels. It is in the farewell discourse that Jesus is forever telling the disciples how they relate to one another. It's like if you are ever with someone who is crossing over from the church mortal to the church triumphant, who is taking that journey over the River Jordan, and they want you to know how deeply you are loved by them. Or they want to tell you who they want you to take care of. or or how much they, they cared for you. It's in the farewell discourse that Jesus gets very clear with his disciples. This is what you mean to me and this is who I am for you. It's one of the reasons why these passages show up in the season of Easter because it tells us something about who Jesus wants to be for us and who Jesus is for us on the earthly realm and who Jesus will be for us even beyond. So In John chapter 13, when Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, he tells them, you know, the servant doesn't know what a master is doing. That's not the relationship that we have. Um, I call you friend. Or or, um, as Jesus is telling the disciples uh, about, uh, about them using their gifts, he describes them as like vine and branches, that they will be connected in these particular ways. And then here in John chapter 14, as Jesus is making this beautiful move, about this relationship of the triune God, of God the Father, and that the Spirit who will come like an advocate, like a comforter. Uh, some some in, the, in the Greek use the term perikletos, the one who comes alongside, who will be with you even when I am not physically present among you. Jesus tells the disciples in verse chapter 18, I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you orphaned. What is beautifully striking about Jesus saying this to the disciples is that Jesus is talking to grown men. I'd oftentimes thought about how comfortable it feels, probably even to our ears and in our social norms, when Jesus talks to the disciples as friends Or Jesus talks to the disciples as an almighty, or as teacher, or as leader, or as rabbi, or as one who has authority over or power with. But there is something very beautiful and powerfully tender about Jesus wanting the disciples to know, I will not leave you orphaned. I will not leave you by yourself. I will not abandon you. You are not going to be forgotten by me. You are not going to be unguarded. It's in that moment that you can hear um, the disciples maybe receiving this understanding that like, okay, Jesus will continue to provide for us. Jesus will will continue to love us. Jesus will continue to care for us. We will not be left alone. These last words where Jesus wants the disciples to know the promised presence that they will have, even when he is not physically among them, that they will know that they have not been left. Sometimes in our grown age, is also having this keen sense of the promise of Jesus showing up for us. That in the midst of the hospital stay that you had not planned, that Jesus will show up for you. In the midst of the breakup that you had not anticipated, that Jesus will show up for you. When everything seems a little frayed in your life and you cannot hold on and cling and piece life together, that Jesus will not leave you. That when the news is crushing, and when the world is breaking, and when we cannot keep pace with hashtags or who next, when the normal comforts don't seem to bring us the comfort they gave us last month, and the words that people speak over us prayers and thoughts, prayers and thoughts, prayers and thoughts don't seem sufficient anymore. To hear Jesus piercing in the midst of us, yes, I'm a healer, yes, I'm a friend, yes, I'm Lord, yes, I'm resurrection and life, but I am also one who will be like a guardian and I will not leave you orphaned, I am coming to you. Thanks be to God that Jesus says this to grown people. Because what we need, what all of creation needs, is to know that we will not be left. Because sometimes I wonder, have we been forgotten? Have we been abandoned? My dear colleague, centered us this morning, and we remembered uh, for 37 seconds, Cindy Cho. Last weekend, Cindy Cho, our sister, walked into an outlet mall in Allen, Texas with her spouse and two children. She didn't walk out of that outlet mall because her life was not threatened by life, her life was threatened with death, with violence, with the thing that is countered to Jesus who is peace, who is our shalom. She walked in with a three-year-old and a six-year-old, a six-year-old who had just had a birthday. They were actually at the mall to return clothes that did not fit him. And no fault, on Cindy or her husband. Not a desire or a decision to leave. Their six-year-old child, the only one in their family who survived. This act of violence. And in all the news outlets, they appropriately used this term William now left orphaned. When the system does not love the one who is ever present to us, it will not keep God's words. Maybe this is why scripture is so adamantly um, in favor or vehemently adamant about how we we treat those who are orphaned, how we come alongside those without guardians in our midst. Maybe this is why um, the prophets will call us in to rate our commitment to God based on how we come alongside those who are left without presence, because it is so counter to who Jesus is. I will not leave you. This Jesus who is always finding a way to be near us and near to us. There are times when um, I can land a sermon like, and it just like, it drops, you know? And I had no drop except for in the midst of the lives that we are living and in the world that does not know how to keep or have Jesus's commandments, we need this guardian God. And without us automatically moving to doing as opposed to being, and the world needs us Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And you know me because I abide in you and I will be with you. We are also too called to be guardians. You know what guardian means? To protect or to defend. That's what it looks like for us to show up in the world. To say to those who may feel lonely, "Mm, I will not leave you. To those who are pushed on the margins, I will not leave you. For those whose bodies are disregarded, I will not leave you. We need this guardian God. and the world needs us. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the ways in which you guard us, how you model how you will not leave us or forsake us, how you are a God who is always beckoning us with invitations to draw near to you. You whisper, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who feel alone and despairing, all who are trying to keep it together, and I will give you rest or mercy, or love, or whatever it is that we need. And God, in the midst of this a week that has been so difficult, so challenging, but what week has not been? <laughs> we come as those who are needy people, asking to be cared by you, held by you, protected by you. And God, for all those who mourn this day, for all those whose lives are not well, for all those who have experienced harm might you draw near as an ever-present help that all might know that you are with them and you are a God who will not leave them. And God, in whatever ways we can with our human-sized capacity, not giving more than we can not living beyond the gifts that we have, not using our gifts in ways that might even be a liability to others. But however, Lord, we might be able to show up in this world, taking hints from you to draw near to others, And God, when we need to, even to draw near and to stay near to ourselves, give us the strength to do so. That we might show up beautifully in this world. God, we thank you and we praise you for your deep love for us. And we ask all of these things in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ, the one who will not leave us. And all God's people said, amen.